Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. After spinning around the globe for offbeat classics, Graham McMillan and I woozily return to the USA for oddball hijinks closer to home. Namely, Marvel's handling of Avenging Spider-Man, the cancellation of the Doom miniseries by Nick Spencer and Becky Cloonan, changes to Marvel's incentive payments, and the latest issues of Journey into Mystery and Marvel's .1 promotional one-shot. We also dazedly strew some choice non-Marvelish topics in along the way in our convenient less-than-an-hour wrap-up. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Uh, did you, so did I, you pick up Avenging Spider-Man issue 1? Oh, I did the opposite, my friend. I, <laughs> did you throw I, it on the ground? I, <laughs> Is that yes, the opposite? I, I, I set fire to a copy and blamed it on someone else at the store. So, yeah, that's exactly it. That's good, as, no. as long as we're... We're staying on target with our, our theory. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I didn't. Did you check it out? I sort of. I haven't. Like, I, I haven't been to the store. Store, of course. Well, I didn't know if like maybe they sent you a PDF of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Assume. No. <laughs> they, I assume they, dude, you got the you got the point one special. I got, so. I got the point one. Uh, I I can say this now. I got the point one pre-release from Newsarama uh, uh, during New York Comic Con, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, I got sent it as a read this and tell me if there's any major news. Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay. So that's a, a fascinating way to go about it. Um. Yeah. I. I don't know. Avenging Spider-Man. You saw that Marvel is extending their um, in in comic codes mm-hmm. to the Ultimate Life. Yes. Including my favorite piece of complete and utter bullshit in the press release which you won't have seen but I'm now going to read the press release and see if you see if you can tell the part that's complete and utter bullshit (laughs) you probably can't but I'll point out when I'm finished celebrated the new year with the biggest change to the world of digital comics in 2012 (laughs) that's not it Beginning with January's Ultimate <laughs> Comics Spider-Man issue 6, all Ultimate Comics Universe titles will be polybagged with a code for a free digital copy on the Marvel Comics app for iOS and Android devices at no extra cost. In February, those codes are redeemable for the same print issue as purchased, expand to the rest of the Ultimate Comics Universe as New York's begin with Ultimate Comics X-Men 7 and Ultimate Comics Ultimates 7. These groundbreaking stories told each month in the Ultimate Comics Universe are some of the best comics being published today, said David Gabriel, Senior Vice President of Sales, Marvel Entertainment. Again, that's not the complete bullshit. I was about to say, like, that was too easy. Looking at the tremendous response to our digital copy code offer with Avenging Spider-Man issue 1, remember, that was released today. I was about to say, It's clear that this is something fans want to see more of, and we're delivering it on a scale never seen before. With no extra cost to retailers or fans, and historic benefits for our retail partners. Again, we're not at the complete and actually provable not bullshit part yet. Although that was really close. Oh, no, it really was. The Ultimate Comics line made history in 2010 with the first line of comics to be offered digitally on the same day print editions hit stores, beginning with Ultimate Comics Thor, issue one. Okay, what? All right, go back, because that the is bullshit part. bullshit. The yeah, Ultimate Comics exactly. line made history in 2010 with the first line of comics to be offered digitally on the same day print editions hit stores, beginning with Ultimate Comics Thor number one. Here's why it's bullshit, dear listeners, mm-hmm. and I'm going to write this up for Newsarama tomorrow, so you might even have read me saying why this is bullshit. While yes. Ultimate Comics Thor issue one was offered day and date in 2010, the Ultimate Comics line didn't actually go line-wide to day-in-day digital. Yeah. 
until the relaunch this year. Spider-Man wasn't even day and day digital until this year. So for them to say it made history in 2010, all they're right. doing is retroactively doing it so it beats Archie, who actually did do it first. Oh, for line-wide? Yep, Archie did it in January yeah. 2001. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's bullshit. And I can't, like, I'm going to call them a bullshit tomorrow, but I kind of want everyone to call them a bullshit for that. Yeah, I would love that. Although, again, people calling Marvel on their bullshit is we haven't had as good a track record this year as I would have liked. Admittedly. Well, they've, they're giving us lots of reason. The Victor Von Doom stuff? Oh, the Von Doom stuff? The cutting back to 20-page stories, according to Fraction, that I read by you know your post on blog at Newsarama? Um, uh, also, uh, the Destroyers thing. Uh, which yeah, one was that? The Red Van Lancey series that they teased and then like cancelled before even soliciting the first issue. Wow, right, right. In fact, actually reading the Fred Van Lanty piece in this point one, I'm like, is that ever going to come out? Is that going to... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm, I'm wondering if that is from... If that was going to tie in with the Destroyer series. Yeah. Because Coleman and Dragon are they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suspect it is. I suspect this first series that's never going to see print. Yeah. But here's yeah, the crazy thing. Amazing. So they cancelled that series and they have finished two issues. There are two completed issues in there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not even like the, the Victor Von Doom thing where they're saying, well, Becky Clooney didn't complete any artwork, which, by the way, holy fucking crap yeah. that they did that. Yeah, holy and also, fucking crap. And also, the crap that they then doubled down after people calling them on it was Tom Brevoort <laughs> saying it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just, like, it boggles my mind. Even if true, it boggles my mind that you would leak... Artist X didn't do the work, especially when they're like, "But we still like her. She's going through things personally." Yeah, we just I thought mean, we really is. Her career. We just thought yeah, we yeah, exactly. can try and torpedo her career, but we still yeah. like her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's it like makes the worst me so thing ever. angry. So yeah. angry. Yeah, it is. It is. It is just absolutely, utterly shitty treatment. Like, and just yeah. Like, do we need to give some context for this for people? Because I guess we're like, I feel like we're just sort of talking in the middle of it as opposed to explaining it. I, I think, yeah, why don't you? Yeah, why don't you? I think that would be a good idea. Short, short version. Um, at the end of this month, November, the first issue of Victor Von Doom, a miniseries by Nick Spencer and Becky Cloonan, was supposed to ship. Marvel cancelled that series at the end of last week. They didn't give any reason, but then someone from Marvel leaked to Rich Johnson that's because Becky Cloonan had not completed any artwork for the series whatsoever. That was immediately followed by multiple people saying that that was bullshit and they know she's completed all the artwork for the first issue. Mm-hmm. And then Tom Brevoort again on Forum Spring said that it was a special, a special uh, case where the creators hadn't managed to complete work for the first issue. He didn't yeah. name Becky Cloonan but at the same time like he right considering what has already been leaked he didn't need to yeah exactly which is again just just such absolute crap i find i find it uh really absurdly hard to believe um also it's just as you pointed out a few times that i think is worth repeating audibly it doesn't seem to make much sense why it wouldn't just be rescheduled yeah or give it to another artist yeah, no, I'm I'm sure. I mean, in fact, what was it, as you pointed I mean, it's a hilarious comparison contrast with Incredible Hulk number two in that regard, right? Oh, with, with the five pencilers for the Incredible Hulk number two? Yeah. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. That I'm, I'm genuinely stunned that there are mm-hmm. five pencilers for yeah. Grand Hulk number two. Also, it's, it's kind of funny for me after everyone gave DC such shit for for replacing pencilers in second issues. I'm over like, not replacing, we're just adding an additional four pencilers. <laughs> There's just more of them. There's more of them to love. How can I... I don't understand how they just want to share, bask in the glory. We're giving we're giving more work opportunities for people. I don't know. It's uh, just like that. There's that. There's the Marvel taking the 5% of the books of the trade collections for royalties. Yeah. Yeah. Which strikes me as really dodgy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what did you see? Wasn't there somebody who commented on, on your story thread about that? Someone pointed out that they like... Marvel just might be doing it because people are getting a larger sense of the book return market. I thought that seemed a little... Uh, it seemed like an interesting explanation, but kind of didn't really sync up to it, me it doesn't, how it long doesn't, Marvel's been No, it really this. doesn't make sense unless mm-hmm. Marvel all of a sudden is getting an incredible number of returns, which I don't know why they would. I mean, maybe it's it's possible. I, I just, they might be. They might. Be. I, I thought Although, it's hilarious that um, the the reason it's actually given is returns, possible returns, which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and complimentary copies. Right, which you've pointed out, they Mar- never get Marvel's any of the complimentary copies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of some shitty maneuvering. I really have to give it up to Marvel that that is like kind of a fine way to to do their freelancers in the butt. Um, part, and- part of what I'm curious about with the, the royalties thing, uh, and Hibbs actually said this in Bleeding Cool, is since when does Marvel give royalties? Like, right. Marvel has really cleverly never called royalties. Yes. Yeah, they've always called them incentives, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, it's creative yeah. incentives is what they're called. Yeah. So exactly. it's, it's... Like, that's all... That, first of all, is always going to shade enough to me. Right. Oh, completely, completely. Also, and like I, Apple does not give creator incentives for any copies sold outside of the U.S. Well, I was going to say that's the other thing because they do all their their reprints through Panini, and then the, it's outside their plan. Yeah, no, they've totally been dicking people. In fact, that was the thing that it was so appalling was when they finally put those Steranko Nick Fury trades into print. I was delighted with them until I found out that they were. Marvel had printed them over in Europe and then shipped them over here as a way to avoid paying royalties um, and incentives to people. Yeah, but would, would that still work? Would Stranko not still be able to get it because it's released by Marvel, even if it wasn't printed by Marvel? Yeah, he 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 claimed that he was furious at them that they'd screwed him because precisely because of this that they claimed wow. that they were just yeah that it that's, wasn't that's, Marvel. That's really sad. Like that's. That kind of lowers my already low expectation of Marvel. You know well, I, mean? I know it really is a it is a, a, a free falling limbo competition there between Marvel and how highly we think of them. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty appalled. I mean, I'm sort of again, it's one of those things of like, well, I've got my, I still ended up buying I ended up buying four uh, Marvel comics to three DC books. So I don't. Okay, what well, what did you buy? Uh, this Mar- Marvel wise, what did you buy? Marvel wise, I bought uh, Punisher Max, which of course you've heard me talk about. Uncanny, mm-hmm. well, not this issue, but Uncanny X Force, uh, Wolverine, which was not very good, but uh, and Journey into Mystery. 
So, okay. which, as far as I can tell, is going to be publishing biweekly now through forever. So, um, oh, wait, wait, was it? Is that a week since last issue? I swear that it was like two weeks ago that I picked up the previous issue of Journey into Mystery, and then two weeks before that when there was the previous issue. I I could be wrong. I hey, imagine Kieran. you will get an email from <laughs> again. <Kieran>. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, definitely feel free to, to to correct me if you would like, Jeff at savagecritic.com or wait what or wait what podcast at gmail. That way we both yeah. see it if you're going to because I have a feeling Kieran's also gonna get mad at my X Men comments, so Yes, well Hi. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this will work out well for everyone. Anyway, Journey into yes. Mystery, which I enjoyed the issue, um but ye- but weirdly I'm feeling more like it may not have a lot of legs left in it for me. I don't know why I'm... Really? That's sad. I still haven't, I still haven't picked up the, the first trade yet. You know, you... I think Actually, it's the first trade out now that I've said that. Uh, I would kind of be shocked if it was. I so, Again, I'm sort of this weird, like, who can tell? Because it seemed like there were, you know... I didn't think that he... They might finally have six issues in here. It, it could be a pretty good place to break the first trade would be here. Because this has sort of the... It's the fear itself aftermath issue. So yeah, I I would say that it's probably it might they might try. Yeah, I have a, I have a strange feeling it might just have been collected. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know what it is. Honestly, I I think I'm having some trouble with art stuff. The art's kind of jumping all over the place. Like this has been the next issue where who's who's doing the issue? Oh yeah, Wills Portacio, who who's done more than one issue on this, and I just I just don't like his work. There's like, oh, I see. That, that, that is a problem for me because I really don't like his work. Yeah, so there's a couple of panels. I mean, he hasn't been doing it all the way through. There was uh, the fill-in issue. I want to say there, I want to say Doug Mandrake maybe did the point one issue. Maybe I'm wrong on that. And then there was the other fill-in issue that looked lovely with Mephisto that you recognize the name as the 2000 AD dude. And then the first two or three issues were done by yet another artist whose work I actually thought was cleaner and worked more better. But, yeah, there's something when you're telling stories about Asgard, it just should not look like it's taking place in a back alley somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's better if it's sort of bigger and airier or even more colorful, but... Yeah, the Portasio stuff, everything looks kind of dank. And every once in a while, you'll see some lovely rendering, and then it goes right back to his kind of just flensed look um, that I just don't like. So, yeah, so those were my four titles. And then my three DC titles were um, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, number three, Batwoman, number three, and Batman Brave and the Bold, Calling All Robins, issue 13 by Charlie Fish and Rick Burchett. And did you see that Charlie Fish is Grant Morrison's hand-picked choice yes, for the backup? Yes. That makes me uh-huh. very happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was kind of, I thought that was both charming and sort of hilarious. I hope that he's right. I mean, so, of course, I went out and picked this up, and I've been hearing good things about Batman Brave and the Bold, and this was a really good done-in-one issue. I don't, I'm kind of bummed. Like, honestly, I'm annoyed that Action Comics is kind of undergoing this wacky bait-and-switch Um Frankly, to, to be fair, the bait and switch was actually announced with the solicits for issue three. Yeah, um, right. so we've known for a issue, while. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I have to say, the last issue, mm-hmm. issue three, um, I got really pissed that I was paying three ninety nine for eight pages of ads of the buck. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Because for, like, for some reason, the issue before that, when it was showing you like art and stuff, I didn't feel so so conned. But this time, it's literally just like, why don't you buy these other comics? Oh, yeah. God, that annoyed me. And it's a shame because I really yes. like the story. Well, because it's really, it's it's exactly like what drove us up to the fucking wall with Fear Itself number seven. Like, it's like, I'm paying for advertisements. These are just ads. These are, you know, these aren't story pages. These, ep- you know, the epilogues do nothing. These pages telling me why I should pick up Supergirl do nothing. But yeah, I actually loved issue three of Action. In fact, it seemed a little rushed. I kind of wish that it had been... Um, a little more full, or at least twenty pages for two ninety nine, and give us, you know, just give it us on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I was I was really really upset about that. I have to say, last week you were not a fan of Omega issue three. I really liked That's it. Right. I liked it the Did point you? where I was like, I don't know what your problem is, Jeff. Really, really, I was wow. honestly, I was like, I I the story worked for me. I didn't see the ridiculous jump that you saw. I thought really? it was wow. Really, where yeah. Kevin Koo goes from arguing with an ATM to being in a maximum security prison in like three pages. Yeah, that that okay. works for me because you have the page of him getting confronted by the police, then getting shot, and then they're like, "Yes, he's on the terrorist watch list. He's really bad news." Mm. Like you actually get a panel where they point out that it makes no sense. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not crazy about it. Also, Kevin Koo still has. It's three issues in. He doesn't really. He has no personality whatsoever. Which I kind of feel like. Say what you will about those really early, bad formulaic, pre-issue two hundred or so issues of the Incredible Hulk. You at least got a sense of who the two characters were. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. But at the same time, so, did, you, did you get that with the three issues? Like, uh, yeah, I know. For example, I re- I really liked in issue three of oh my. Omak getting a personality. Yes, I thought so too. Um, that part was okay. And the second, I will say that the last half of the book, I really liked. Uh, I liked a lot. I just thought that it was a real come down from the first two issues. In part because I thought it was really weirdly badly bungled. Also, the time stuff is weird too in it because doesn't issue two end with Brother Eye talking to Max Lord? And that's like one of the big reveals. And then halfway through issue three, after Omax already like in mid crazy fight, like you've got Max Lord and Brother I like completing their conversation that was started yeah, last yeah. issue. Unless and, it was another, unless it was more than one conversation. I, I'm hoping that it was, although it does get confusing when one character is without a body and the other one is wearing the same jumpsuit and in the exact same pose. So. Oh no! I I'm glad you dug it. I'm hoping next issue will be more of a return to form. And I didn't loathe it. I just was bummed that I wasn't nearly as delighted. Yeah, no, I, no, I understand. Uh, but I, I I was I gave it a thumbs up. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, anything else that you picked? Up yeah, I I still one? haven't talked about Bad Company, our other 2008 book. Oh yes, that's right. Um, have you ever have you heard of Bad Company? Uh, I think only through through this nemesis because aren't the is isn't Bad Company also the ABC Warriors this no, battle robots no 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 okay then I haven't uh, Bad Company is Peter Milligan's first ongoing series uh, definitely 2008 possibly anywhere uh huh um, from the mid 80s 
um, with art by Brett Ewins and Jim McCarthy, and then it's really funny. So he he does two series, three sorry, three series of two thousand eight in like the mid to late eighties. Mm-hmm. Then he just abandons the character for something like seven years. Comes back and does a sequel. Then again, abandons the character for like ten years. Wow! And then comes back and completes the story. In the meanwhile, Brett Ewins and Jim McCarthy, who are drawing the whole thing, I think it's not hideously unfair to say that their art gets significantly worse. <laughs> um, seriously, their points were like because this this is the complete collection, so it's got all of it in it. Um, if you compare like the last couple of episodes with the first episodes, you're kind of like, oh, what happens? <laughs> um, taken as if. Oh, First of all, it starts off very much as a 2080 story, if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. four to five pages, there's an event in the middle of each right. story that really pushes things forward. There's some hyper-violence, there's some crazy sci-fi ideas, and, right. you know, and it's fairly choppy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere towards the end of the first series, and definitely in the second and third series, Peter Milligan becomes Peter Milligan. Mm-hmm. And so things get weird. Mm-hmm. In a wonderful way, but they get very weird, and you get the Milligan trope of the sensitive artistic man surrounded by weirdness, having to sell out his soul in order to survive, but feeling melancholic about the cost. Which is, in so many Milligan stories, it's it's kind of a Milligan cliche. But he takes it to such an extent in Bad Company. It's kind of amazing. I kind of, I really kind of want to spoil the middle of Bad Company in order to show to what extent he takes it to. But I also want you to read it because I think it's a great book. Right. Um, um, yeah, I would like to read it, so I think I will ask you to hold up. Yeah, there was. So it turns out this collection uh, was published in Britain and America, and it's like twenty dollars for like three hundred mm-hmm. odd pages. Wow. Um, and the whole thing, it's it's the wow. whole story, including fascinatingly. At the end, it's got the John Wagner and Alan Grant written, Carlos Escara drawn pilot episode for Bad Company for an entirely different comic that never got picked up. That was then really? reworked by Milligan's Ewans and McCarthy for their series. Wow. Structure's the same, character names are the same, everything else is different. Wow. But it's great, it's amazing to compare. That sounds that sounds like that would be kind of a, a very cool volume to, to get my mitts on. Yeah, it's really, really good. I it's again, it's like the, the nemesis you were complaining about, the three hundred mm-hmm. just in a collection. Which it's funny that you're complaining because I loved having a book this weighty that I could just put in and out of. I really enjoyed it. Uh, well, see, this is it. I love having all that material. Like I said, it was just a drag like having it having it in a digital format made it so much easier for me to just schlep around from room to room or read on the way to work or whatever, you know? So, uh, and I'm just, just not quite there with my collections yet. Although who knows, maybe I would, you know, I don't know. I, I would, I would genuinely recommend this book. Um, anyone who's listening, who likes, especially likes early shade era, Peter Milligan. Mm-hmm, which uh, I do. I really think you'd get a lot out of this. It, in part because you see a lot of, oh, that's where that gets started. Um, but also, it's just, it's a great little science fiction story in, in and of itself. Hmm. And and there's something really 
nice is the wrong word. There's something very right about the way that he ends the story after coming back to it after 10 years. Huh. That's great. Did you hear the comments that see the yes, comments from yes, people about the, the yapping dog, dog uh, yeah, podcast? And then when Gus started barking there, I was like, oh God, whoever was talking about the yapping dog podcast <laughs> is going to be very happy. Who was it? It was Robert G. I think Grooms ah, yes. should get his own podcast. Robert, there's actually two dogs. Uh, it's, <laughs> Gus is the one that's barking, but I think if I gave a podcast to Gus, I'd have to get one to Ernie. Otherwise, he would claw me to death. See, I like the idea that they both have they you know, have like us. Each. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, they have one together. It's like bark what or something. <laughs> it's like bark what could work. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, we haven't yes. done the point one at all. No, we haven't. We haven't. And we were going um, to, and we and we made it like an hour and a half, and we haven't talked about it. Right. Well, uh, let me see here. Uh, yeah. So I have to say, boy, Javier Polito, man. Mm. Oh, I'm, I love that framing sequence. And oh my thing, god! The framing sequence, I love. It. I love the idea. I love the story. I love. I love the art. Yeah, and the art. We'll see. That's it. I really thought like the story and the framing sequence was great and interesting on its own. But then when you have that freaking art that's more Ditko than Kirby, it just somehow worked so well. Oh, I I adored that. And then the rest of the stuff was kind of interesting. I mean, you know, much better than than the epilogue shit that we got. At yeah, the- it really is, isn't it? It's really yeah. strange how... Yeah. I th- is it because the stories are like twice the length? I don't know why, but point one feels complete to me in a way that the epilogue to Fear Itself did not. Right, right. And it's funny um, because the like Defenders is in both. And Defenders just did not work for me as an epilogue to Fear Itself. And here... Right. I'm not. I'm not going to say it really works, but it works a lot better. Oh yeah, I mean, I thought it worked a lot better, and in part because it's you know it's framed as a, a Doctor Strange story that sort of turns into a bad promo, but in a way that I kind of was okay with. I don't know why. Like it gave me enough bang for the buck there. Uh, let me let me break it open and we can go through it because. Uh, yeah, no, it did feel more complete, even though some of it was... I, I appreciated that the Fraction piece felt more like a real story than not. I The, the Bendis piece that, did not. The, 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 Bendis the Avengers piece, piece I thought was terrible. I think that's yeah. the dog of the whole thing, to be honest. Well, there's there's a couple. I, I'll be honest. I thought the Loeb McGinnis thing. I thought that was. I thought that was a big poop as well. I thought that was. I thought that was fine for what it was. To be honest, I thought. Well, I, I thought as a teaser, it was fine. Yeah, it had a couple of things to tease, which was great. Um, that David Lapham exterminated sequent thing. I thought that that was. You know, it it was fine for what it was, and the art was just suitably like. Quasi Dwayne McDuff- McDuffie, uh, Dwayne McDuffie. Uh, <laughs> that would be horrible. Dwayne um, spectacular. Sorry, shit. I, well, I was thinking Bill Sienkiewicz and then the other guy who's got the who's Alex for Icon. Oh no, no. Um, God, Dennis Cohen. Oh yeah, uh, that's one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, I actually really like Roberto Delatorre's art. He did a mm-hmm. run on Iron Man. Iron Man pre-fraction back when it was being right. I god I can't even remember who's writing it post post Ellis and pre-fraction whoever wrote that era because I totally can't remember wow was it was that during the Tony Stark leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. era nah uh, yes 
Right. I so would say that, that might is... be money to go over, but um, he did a really nice job in that. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, but so, I, I, yeah. I thought Exterminated was fine right up until the last page. And the last page was yeah. all standing there, and it's like, here's their logo. I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was fine with that. I was fine with the Scarlet Spider piece. Actually, I thought it was um, a little. I thought I thought the the it was the piece was a little annoying, but it was okay overall. Again, a little closer to the Ramos-ish art, and the thing that in a way, yeah, I just you know as soon as I finished reading the sort of crazy like we're Team Wonder Twin powers, you know, the, yeah, which is just honestly comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It really does. Um, and then all of a sudden they're finding the Avengers and you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, such a bad little segue. You're like, what's going to happen? And then that, and yeah, it was not not their finest moment. But yeah, no, actually, I really did. Like, most of this stuff felt like it was long enough and it, they were each designed as full pieces, not, th- you know, telling the interns go pull three interesting pages out of the upcoming issue of this yeah the only thing I think does not feel like that is the the yes Bendis Hitch Ultra. Avenger stuff yeah, which the honestly Bendis feels Ultra like they've stuff. just taken pages out of another comic yeah and that comic was probably Old Man Logan um so yeah <laughs> it's, it's Age of Ultron it's, come on it's their big Avengers event yeah, and boy, it seemed like a turd. I really have to say that was underwhelming. I mean, admittedly, I I don't know what Brian Hitch would have to do to really win me over again, but he's not. Oh, I, I, I could I could name do it. lots of things that he could do. Really? Yeah, he's got so many uh, tricks that he's fallen back on now that are. Yes. I, mean, I really want to see, but I want to see panel borders. <laughs> That's funny. It's kind of weird, but I would love to see Final Burgers again. Um, I'd love to see a difference in these pacing. I'd love to see a difference in these framing. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see him trying to go for scale, like genuine scale. Right. Well, which used to be one of those things that he he, could do. Yeah, exactly. But now now scale for him is a big close-up on a face. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's funny. I think when he did Reborn with uh, Brubaker, Brubaker pushed him uh-huh. for that harder than anyone pushed him, mm-hmm. and he just mm-hmm. didn't deliver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Reborn might have been the the book where. Well, by the end of the Ultimates, I was like, I think I'm pretty done. And then those first, I don't know if I even made it past issue two of Reborn. I was like, yeah, this is not going to do it for me. So. Um, yeah, honestly, you know, if it wasn't for that, I think that awesome framing sequence really made everything come together in a way. Now, admittedly, I didn't pay five bucks for yeah, it. Yeah, that's just it, because I read it for free as well, obviously, and I had a really I had a really positive feeling about it. Right, but I think that that's as a free pump. Exactly, that's just it. I, I, it was only when people started saying, this is far too expensive, that I was like, do I just like it because I didn't pay $6 for it? Yeah, I, well, I would have to think. Because I think at that point, I mean, $6 is like... $6 is a lot of money. $6 is I mean, two DC books. Yeah, exactly. I And I wanted to say that it was the price of Dark Horse Presents, but that's not right. No, that's, no, that's $7.99. Is, is Dark Horse nice, like $7.99, $8.99? Okay. So, but it's, yeah, it's not, it's not that far off, so... I don't know. It, it was it was all right. I in a way it was kind of like yeah, boy, can't wait to see. It had it's you know 
I think again a commenter was like, "Oh, or oh, no, it was." Uh, it was on Twitter. It was on Twitter, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. Uh, do you have the? Name? I'm trying to find it. It was Rick Vance. Rick Vance, who called it a mixed bag of Marvel, all right, which is actually the, probably the best way to put it. Yeah, actually, like going back to it, I'm like, holy shit, Rick Vance is totally right. That's exactly how I would put it. It had stuff that I kind of liked. It had stuff that I really loved, dug that seemed almost like throwaway stuff and then the stuff that you were supposed to be paying attention to I thought was kind of uh, bed shitty so yeah it, it's kind of weird I really did have a very strong positive feeling towards it when I read it and the more I reread it the less I get that and the more I right. think about the fact that it's six dollars the more I'm kind of like oh and also it's it's six dollars and then they overshipped it by a hundred percent yeah so why not just make it two ninety nine? I think because they wanted to engender goodwill. Uh, well, no, I, I I, to, it's, if that's their thing, it's backfired because people hate them for it. Well, but other places are marking it down. I, I don't know. I think I, it, it was one of those little last-minute things. Who knows? It could be one of those deals where they had no intention of overprinting it, but I don't know. Either numbers were lower than they would have liked, or they no, were numbers seeing... have to have been low because with the overprint. Like hundred percent overprint, they said they'd just broken a hundred thousand. Okay, so numbers right. have to be really low. Yeah, so I mean, really low. They're like, that's ridiculous. We've got to overprint it. And you know, DC. Some of the stuff going on with DC is like a lot of people are trying to figure out to what extent the returnability uh, has helped the new Fifty Two. You know, I I think it's it's helped tremendously. It's given retailers a lot more confidence to invest deeper into the line than they would have otherwise. Whether or not it comes back to bite everyone on their ta- the tail three months from now or however it works out, I don't know. But I I think it's great that they did it. And so I sort of wonder if Marvel's like, well, maybe we should see if we uh, yeah, we'll just overship. We won't we won't do returns, God knows, but but you know, we'll throw everybody two times what they would have ordered. It, it was funny that so many people were upset because it actually took retailers to explain it to me. I didn't understand why they're upset because I was like, guys, it's free comics. Mm-hmm. And it really took people being like, if they told us that before we had to tell them how much we would pay for, right. then that would have been great because now we're going to have two times as many of these that we as we have to have. Right. Right. But <sighs> But I do see the the extent to which they were saying, you know, rich reported people like marking some of the books well, down I, I, in order I, to move. Makes them. sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, at that point, I think that's probably a sensible bet. But I don't know. It's just, uh, I mean, Marvel, Mar- Marvel is scary, man. It's always interesting to see what that scary base head is going to do this week. So. Um, <laughs> Oh, Marvel, will you ever stop giving us terrible, terrible things to talk about? It's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because I honestly thought, at this point, month three of the DC reboot. First of all, I didn't think month two would have DC having 51% market share, which, honest to God, my jaw dropped. Yeah, wasn't that amazing? It's funny, I thought of you when I saw that, too. Um, because you knew just be like, what? Dropped. Yeah, but I was like, holy shit, I bet Graham just cannot, is just... I, I can't believe it. I really can't. But honestly, month three, I thought it, the story would be DC is imploding. I did not think the story would be Marvel is imploding. Yeah. But Marvel is imploding. I mean, Marvel is, Marvel is in trouble right now. Yeah. 
yeah, I think so. Well, because of the way things are being, you know, it goes back to the stuff that we were talking about. Marvel's imploding in in a weird, like, it needed no help from DC to implode. No, exactly. Yeah, Marvel's imploding by itself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, and, and somehow there's something kind of super scary about that, you know? Um, the, 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 what's scary for me is it's so unexpected and there's also a sense of what, when is enough mm-hmm. do you know what I mean mm-hmm. where's it going to stop because it's not it's not a case of you know we have no idea when they're going to be able to you know sell enough copies anymore because did they not have like a 50 million dollar profit last year yeah, well, that's it. I mean, that's one of the things when we were going on and on about this is like their their profit margins are pretty high. You know, um, are you looking it up? I thought I- no, I'm not. I was uh, I'm <laughs> responding to Kate who just oh, of course. sent a message. Oh, excellent. Well, you know, in theory, we should wrap this up since we said we were talking at six, and I'm sure we're, <laughs> you're, I, you're, our, our respective spices go to your mind. You are, are probably wondering about dinner at some point. I uh, actually, not dinner. I'm thinking, wondering about Jim. Oh, really? Oh, gosh. I would have thought, God, you guys go this. I can't imagine as a dude who goes, like, we go, we went at like 6.40 this morning. It's kind of odd to imagine what it would be like to go in at this hour of the day. Around uh, about now, it's a little bit busy and then it gets really empty about 6.30. Yeah, I would think. But, uh, but it's weird. Like oh. our, our gym actually gets busier around nine at night. Huh. We were once there really, really late. We were both working. We ended up working really late, and we're like, we really should go to the gym. And we slept there, and we're like, we don't want to go to the gym. Oh god! And it was mobbed. And I was like, what are these crazy night owl people? Who think nine o'clock is a great time to go to the gym? <laughs> yeah, I. Some people, some people seem to dig that. I'm, I'm a little terrified of them. I have to say. On the other hand, going to the gym at an hour where you can actually get on the machines is awesome. So, uh, did you want to talk about that word balloon podcast or no? Uh, did I, I just want to tell people to listen to the word balloon podcast. Did you listen to it? No, but I was actually at the gym this morning thinking, God damn it, I should have downloaded that so I could listen to it. Okay, the reason I want to talk, uh, the reason I want people to listen to it is it's a really word balloon for people who don't listen is John Suntress doing a basically a radio show with comic creators, um, mm-hmm. and the interviews are always incredibly affable. Mm-hmm. They're all like they're they're never gotcha interviews. I mean, they are the friendliest. You know, hey, we're all buddies here. Aren't comics great? Interviews you can imagine. Right. The most recent ones was Matt Fraction. Actually, I'm Matt Singer, uh, who we know from Twitter, but he also writes for AFC. He's on the second half of it, which is another reason why you should download it. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, but the Fraction is just... The Fraction part is just really weird because John Suntress, the host, is trying to be friendly. <laughs> and Matt Fraction is so defensive and irritable... That wow. somehow becomes weirdly antagonistic, even though the interviewer is not asking anything antagonistic. <laughs> it's really like it's almost uncomfortable to listen to, which makes it all the more fascinating. Wow! Because, well, because um, they, yes. So you're you're doing these three seven point one, seven point two, seven point three. How did that come about? 
And Fraction's like, well, it wasn't my idea. If it was up to me, it would have been, they would have been the first issues out of the books. And he's like, so when did you come up with the idea that these, it'll be, you know, you'd need these issues? Well, we don't need these issues. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Why are you saying that? Yeah, no, it kind of is. And then at one point, like, Fraction starts arguing with himself about um, whether the books are necessary. And Sandra says something along the lines of, you know, you said that this book, that these three issues are what happens uh, is the end of the story. It's like Star Wars. If they cut off the film when Luke's shutting off his Titan computer, which he said in interview. In fact, she's like, I don't think it's fair to say that at all. And bless him, Joseph just is like, you're the one who said that. Yes. <laughs> I'm quoting you. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, it's just, it's a really, it's fascinating to hear because he is really weirdly like it's not even like he's spoiling for a fight do you know what I mean he's just weirdly hyper defensive right well yeah who knows maybe maybe got to that point or I don't know you know maybe there's stuff where uh, I don't know you know it's kind of strange I'm sort of I think that having done such you know sterling work kind of not 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 writing the book god bless him but you know promoting the book with you know him and tom brevoort like shooting the shit at cbr or whatever i just i can see where after a point like maybe he looked back after it all came out maybe who knows maybe sat down and read all the issues like those first seven issues and just isn't pleased with it i don't know you know what i mean like there's got to be a point or he could be depending on when he talked to him like there could be all this other shit hitting the fan at Marvel like I just don't think that you know he could have been talking to him the same day that he found out that he was going to lose 6% of his incentives yeah I, I, I have no idea it's just it's yeah. it's a weird it's it's one of those things where I kind of wish for everyone involved mm-hmm. they've been like this is not working right let's, let's, let's do it another time right right because instead it's this weird like compelling to listen to but just uncomfortable right. conversation right and, and which which fraction really doesn't come across well on right and I feel that not that it's an interviewer's job to make the person come across well but if you can tell they're coming across badly just because they're having a shitty day I feel like you should right. do something do you know what I mean I don't know, you know, I see this is the this is why I'm really glad that we've done so many of these and we're still just talking to each other like right inside. <laughs> you know, cuz I just I would feel weird interviewing people because I think it would be hard to um I mean apart from all the stuff that we, you know, normally say now, I mean, you know, we've got I can't imagine there would be a lot of professionals who would be like, "Oh yeah, I'll gladly talk with you guys." please after you spoke so well of the Ultron War um, you know but but I would also hate to be in that place to be kind of like you know because yeah I think my natural instinct is sort of to make that person feel as comfortable as possible or make them look well like I just I'm not I, I would write fine puff pieces I would write very bad you know, journalistic profiles, I think. Because I really wouldn't want to put somebody in a spot where it's like, you know, if they're acting like a turd, I would feel I would feel really uncomfortable not telling everybody that and also telling everybody that. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you want to hear the sort of weird flip side of this? Sure. So last weekend I had to, well, I didn't have to, but I did. I got a journalist pass to test out the Blockbuster Movie Pass for Techland, which is the, the, blog, the Dish Network Netflix competitor. Wow. And so I did it. I, I logged in. I actually had to log in on two different computers because the first one it just didn't work for me. It kept on telling right. me to download a plugin that I didn't, I'd already downloaded. Um, second computer got it working. I tested it out, wrote my review, put it up in uh, Techland, and it wasn't an incredibly positive review. I was like, I couldn't find a search function. That seems kind of obvious. The selection yeah, selection's terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things. You can't stop something and then restart it from the same point. You have to scroll through again. Um, th- that day, the day it goes live, I get the PR person for the company being like, yeah, the, the head of product development now really wants to talk to you. Uh-huh. So I'm talking to him tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. And so they, you haven't and, talked to him yet. And they're like, okay. uh, there is a search function. You obviously just didn't see it in your browser. And I was like, on two different computers, on two different browsers on each computer, I didn't see a search right. function. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's got to be a browser issue. And I'm kind of like, well, if it's not working in Firefox or Safari, then you pretty much <laughs> lost a lot of your Mac users. Yeah, <laughs> that's, completely. That's, that's a problem for you guys. Mm-hmm. And, and you shouldn't complain to me about it. Right. Uh, right. Well, we'll see. Maybe. Yeah, no, wanna... exactly. Thank you. I, I don't think so. <laughs> Well, I just love the idea that they're going to like, let me talk to him and then browbeat you into it. Because I I, I have to say, as somebody who's worked a day job, I'm shocked how frequently that is the solution to the IT department. Like you call them and you're like, I'm having troubles with my computer. Okay, what are you doing wrong? No, 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 no. I'm having troubles with my computer. Right, right. I heard you. So how did you screw it up? Like, you know, just like there's all this like bullshit um, and I'm actually... I've actually had some great experiences with my tech department recently, so it's kind of bad to say that. But I'm always surprised by the the number of times that you have this user interface thing where people are like, oh, well, you're just doing it wrong. I'm, nah, that's one way to look at it. The other way is your product isn't working right. I I'm hoping that Netflix, you know, I was really looking forward to them separating out the two plans so that in theory they would actually dump some money into making watch the Watch Instantly site better. Well, they, they, ha- just, they have separated the plans. It's just they've not spun off into a different company. But the plans well, are... Well, that's separate. what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, no, their plans are separate, but they haven't taken... They I don't know if they... it You know, for one thing, they turned around and lost 700,000 people or whatever as a result of it. But I was looking forward to them dumping some money into the Watch Instantly side of the site so that they could do things that I'm still are kind of surprised they can't do. Like, like what? Well, I'm glad that you said that because I have no idea. But um, <laughs> Not really. Like, is there something that you're looking for it to do that you can't do? I, uh, well, okay. Here's one thing that I actually think is a real pain in the ass is um, your instant queue pile, maxes out at 500, right? Which I don't know if you knew that. I did not because I've not added five hundred things to my instant queue. You have five hundred things in your instant queue. In Jack, my defense, in my defense, 
I'm a horrible person. No, in my defense, I'm definitely a hoarder. So yeah, I added a whole bunch of movies to my queue. The thing that's ironic is is that it, it said, like, you've maxed out at 500. And I'm like, I only have 435 movies in my queue. So you're cheating me out of 65 movies. Uh, what happened was... <laughs> I have added... an intervention button for that. Yeah, I know. You would think, right? <laughs> So what happened was these movies, like when they're no longer available in Netflix, they get pulled from the queue, right? But they still count even though they're not on the queue. So, But but here's the thing. That's because if they ever come back, they go straight back in the queue where you left them. Sure. I totally understand that. But they shouldn't count against my 500 if they're not there. You know what I mean? Because the problem is I don't know how many movies to clear out of my queue. You've got 435 things there, Jeff. It doesn't matter how many are really there or not. I totally disagree. Disagree, Graham. Disagree. (laughs) This is when you start going, no, no, no. No, no. I mean, you're totally right, obviously. But, you know, like, because that's the other thing is, is Netflix does a terrible job of letting you know when new movies are in your watch instantly. Yeah, they they arrive. Yeah, they really and that is something that it's like that keeps me coming back to the service. Like there's times where it's like when work is slow, I can't obviously watch Netflix at work, but I will happily go through the queue and find movies that I want to see and add them obviously to my instant queue. Another thing that is a pain in the ass about about watch instantly that I thought that they would change and I'm shocked isn't um, multiple lists, you know, to be able to create lists instead of one queue of however many movies that you have in my case at the moment 412 to be able to sort them so that like you're like okay like if you've got like because Edie and I both use this service not simultaneously but so that she could have the queue she doesn't have to scroll through zombie apocalypse to find season one of saving grace and by the same thing I don't have to watch you know scroll through you know Inspector Beefcake Mysteries in order to get to Dracula AD 1972. Well, first of all, can we just say that Inspector Beefcake Mysteries really picks up in the second season? So I've heard, but let me tell you, as somebody who had to watch the end of it, oh, God, oh my God, that was crazy. The I, That Inspector Beefcake Mysteries, not only is Inspector Beefcake miscast as far as I'm concerned but technically uh, it was it was weirdly chick flickish for a uh, male oriented detective mystery but maybe that's just me also Graham perhaps you've you've done this you and Kate want to watch a movie say and you know you're in the move for like let's say a lightweight frothy comedy why can't you have a tab where you, you know, you create your date movies, you know, for the two of you, where you pick movies out and then you throw them in there and then you can go to them? Or, like, when you go through that tear of, like, watching music documentaries, you know, instead of, like, sort of adding them higgledy-piggledy, you're like, okay, here's my whole section of the, the you know what I mean? I, I'm, I think this makes sense, right? No, it does make sense. I... I... I'm sure you're still like, like, dude. You have 435 yeah, movies in your but no, I'm, you I'm sure no a lot of that has been worked on. But it's, to be honest, a lot of that is not an issue for me because we I only have like 25 movies on my list. In watch incidentally, yeah. You only have 25. Yeah, hang on. Let me log in and check. 
I might make you list the 25. We should actually compare our 25. Yeah, we actually do 25. Hang on. How many of these are mine? Let's see. Oh, God, I'm at 12 already and none of them are mine. (laughs) Wow. There are, in this list of 25, two that are mine, one of which I've already seen and just not taken off the list. You are a terrible person, uh, this, this Graham two, McMillan. Is, uh, the one, two are Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, which I have seen. Uh, okay. um, and Bill Conning in New York. Oh. That's that. oh, I have to tell you, have you seen The Trip yet? No, but oh. it is number three on the queue. Okay. I've been meaning to yeah. skip it over one and two. The Trip is an amazing film. Yeah, 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 yeah. I... I came home from work totally fried on Saturday night and I had totally planned to show Edie the trip because we'd been meaning to see it and heard great things. And I was so overwhelmed and brain dead and broken that we ended up watching Sweetgrass, which I totally recommend that you guys watch. Actually, What is Sweetgrass? Sweetgrass. Sweetgrass is a documentary about sheep herders. um, And it is stunningly shot it is gorgeous like especially for you guys where you've got you can watch it on high def big screen thing as opposed to our little laptop deal um it 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 traces the path of a family of montana sheep herders as they drive their flock through the mountain range and there's no guiding narration so it's just all images and the things lay out very naturally it ends up focusing on like the two shepherds up in the mountains but the photography is phenomenal and the sense of place and also there are so many sheep like you'll have like a vast plain and suddenly there's all these sheep moving through it and it's like the world's most insane special effect it's crazy okay I shall I shall add that the best part is if we are going to reclude this in the podcast people are going to be like seriously Jeff and the fact that I was like I love that People are probably just switching off in horror right now. Yeah, probably. No, seriously, I recommend it to everyone. Check out Sweetgrass. It's uh, it's 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 goddamn good. It's there's there's stuff in there that will blow your mind. Um, I think, uh, at least visually. Wait, Jack, I've just discovered Sequest DSV and Buck Rogers in the Twenty Fifth Century are both available in Watch Instant. See. Once you find that stuff out, how can you not just sort of click to add to queue? Like, no, as a reflex. Because I I used to do that, and I never watched them. And eventually, yeah. I feel like, I'm, I, I'm completely the opposite from you. I will take stuff off the queue that I still want to see, but just because I've not watched it quickly enough. I'm just like, yeah. I obviously don't want to see that that much. And then I just take it off. Gram, 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 gram. I know it's all gone wrong, hasn't it? It really has. I'm like, you, sir, are. Who are you? I don't even. Who are you? I don't. I, how can we even have conversations? Uh, and at that merry note. Yes, in that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so I will. Uh, we should say goodbye to the listeners, of course. Hey, listeners. Bye. And to everyone who complained that I always talk over Jeff, I actually tried to do it last this episode and probably didn't. And I'm sorry. No, you actually did a good job, actually. I was very, I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so listened to. <laughs> and you did very empowering for me. Safe word. Honestly, it was when you said that Edie had come up with a safe word for us. That and uh, that one really was like, Lagan, the I'm doing this far too much. 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. Did we come up with a safe word? I forget. You, you told me that Edie had invented a safe word for us, and you told me yeah. what safe word was, and it really was spectacular. It was spectacularly funny, too, and it was great. And it's up there. Well, I don't know if it's up there. I think it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think that we should say it right now. No, 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 no. And then one day use it. Yeah, exactly. That would be fantastic. We just have to remember what it is. Oh, I, I uh, really remember what it is. What's that? Do you I, yeah, do you not? I don't. But, okay, wait, are we, okay, technically okay. we're not now, recording now we're gonna, anymore. Now we're going to stop recording. Hey, listen, yeah, exactly. bye, have a, have a good week. Uh, hopefully we were entertaining. Sorry, we spent half an hour talking about Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Only at the very end, and I think they're, they're used to that at the beginning. That's true, yeah, we say, we it's a special part of them at the end. Bye, listeners. Goodbye. I'm waving. 